Well, let's move into Gopher, Minnesota Gopher, Golden Gopher Sports, and other college sports. What have you got for us, Andy? Um, one note I got, a couple notes here. I got um, kind of sticking on the same baseball topic a little bit. Max Meyer of the Gophers, uh, pitcher and outfielder, was a preseason All-American, so that's kind of nice to see. Um, he's Woodbury kid, so local boy. Local boy goes to local college, so that's good. Uh, he was on Team USA. Just heard lots of promising things about him. About him so just remember that name. The tough thing about college baseball, college hockey, very, very few guys go straight pro. So it's hard to follow a player in college, and four years later, five years later, you hear his name in the pros. But just kind of keep an ear out for that name, Max Meyer, uh, pitcher, outfielder for the Gophers. Hopefully, you hear his name a lot this year with Gopher baseball. Uh, minor leagues, wherever he gets drafted, it goes. Hopefully, it's in the Twins organization. We can hear his name more often. But kind of keep that name in the back of your mind. Go, hey, I've heard that name. He's, he's going to be a good kid. He's a good player. Uh, preseason All-American, that's saying a lot. Uh, Gophers being up here up north, I know a lot of the southern schools have been playing ball for a while already. That's one kind of nice thing we have with the Metrodome. The Gophers would always have a preseason tournament for baseball. And to our understand, I guess U.S. Bank can be made into baseball for some Gopher games, I understand. Yes, uh, they do convert that for a bunch of Gopher games in the uh, beginning of the season. I I took in a game there two years ago. Uh, it it, it kind of had a feel like the Metrodome for baseball. Those seats are retractable, those lower-level yeah. seats, and um, it's a pretty good setup. I think they split their time uh, with, with Beerman uh, Field and the U.S. Bank Stadium for their – boy, they, they may play 20 games um, – at that home, at in indoors there, um, and, and other teams play there too. Every year, one day, like a Pillsbury class or something, oh, yes, has some yes. teams up for a tournament just to get the rust off, get some games in, play some of the teams that have had a few games under their belt. So it was always kind of a good thing I thought for the Gophers. It always helped them. I thought. Yeah, that's it's it's pretty interesting layout uh, there, but they do Gophers are always pretty good in in baseball, of course, uh, every year. Yep. Uh, then uh, some other Gopher news I got: Daniel Altru, uh, Gopher basketball player. There is talk to him for the NBA draft already, but like Coach Patino said also, they're talking about you in January. Let's see how you do it after the season into the draft. Great having your name out there now. You're still not drafted, so don't let it go to your head. They're Correct. just talking about you. Correct. So it would be nice to see a Gopher player make the NBA. That'd be kind of cool. And then one other scuttlebutt I heard about Gophers, Gopher wrestling team. And I don't know if this is a one-time deal or if he's looking at it long-term, but the Gopher wrestling team might be getting a new coach, assistant coach. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. A former Gopher wrestler himself, former Viking player, former MMA, current Universal Heavyweight Champion, WWE, Brock Lesnar. Oh, interesting. The as a coach. And currently the coach, uh, the head coach is Brandon Egham, I, I believe, for the Gophers. Yep. In fact, they just wrestled uh, Wisconsin last night. Yep. But, boy, that would be interesting bringing the big heavyweight yeah. in. Well, you know, Brock's older in his career. He's had some uh, health issues. I believe he still lives out here in the West Metro somewhere. He always hears stories he likes going out as far and he likes going hunting. I think he's got a place in South Dakota also. He likes going four-wheeling. So he's, he's definitely made his money. He's fine. You know, he's not living check to check. He's okay. So maybe this is he wants to see less after sports. He's going to help out with the Gophers for a while. It's going to be a long-term deal. Who knows? But it'd be kind of nice to see just local boy comes back to coach the college team. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, interesting. Yep, that would be. Um, I got some other uh, NCAA news, if you will, for, 
for sports. Oh, yes. Really not much changing in the rankings for everybody, for boys and girls. They're all still kind of seated the same. Just some kind of notes on everything in the other schools for, and this is where we're just talking about you know, go for baseball in the winter. Kind of weird for me to see. I was looking up men's hockey, the top 20 in hockey. Number 15, Arizona State. Oh, interesting. You know, a lot of Southern schools, I know, uh, uh, Bemidji State was just down at Huntsville, Alabama playing. You know, Huntsville, Alabama's got a good team. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State have teams. Arizona State has teams. So, popping up in the South, I mean, the NCAA Frozen Four was in Tampa a couple years ago. So, still not getting used to seeing Arizona State in the top 20 for hockey, but yes, there it is. Yeah, those Southern, uh, Southern schools, of course. Coming on up. So, it's, it's neat to see that, though. That's not just the same old... 10 schools up north all the time. You know, it's nice to see a little variety. Oh, yes. Yes. And we've got the – so college football, um, we've got the, yes. big, the big game Monday night, the NCAA uh, Division One title game at LSU-Clemson. What's your thoughts on that? Clemson Ooh. by four. Okay. And I've got, uh, I've got I, LSU I, by I three. LSU There's by three. For Clemson, I like them. I, I can't say, oh, it's this player or that player. And I don't like that player at LSU, or I don't like LSU. It's none of that. Just something tells me when I watch the games, I see it. Just something tells me I, I, I'm liking Clemson by four. And I, I have no facts behind it, no anything else. Something gut feeling is telling me that. Yeah, that'll be a good game. That's does that start at uh, 8 p.m. here Central? Yep, yep. It's on ABC. This will be a night game. So those of you who are used to watching Monday Night Football at that time, it's be kind of in that time slot. I, I have not heard um, any other things uh, prediction-wise from other people. You know, uh, ESPN saying this or Fox is saying that. Um, but from what I have heard, a little bit, it's pretty split down the middle. Yeah, that's that'll be a good that'll be a good game. I think it's been kind of hard to hear a lot of that late locally because the Vikings have taken over the local sports coverage. You know, they have, they have. So they've kind of, I hate to say the local teams are back where the national ones, but you go with what's hot and that's all local stories. are hot. So the Vikings have taken a lot of the news stories. So we haven't heard much of national stuff here. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for college. If you're ready to start talking with a little teaser, are you ready to talk NFL football? I think we are NFL football. Let's move, let's move into the games. We've got four games this weekend, including the Gopher. I mean, the Vikings, Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. This is the divisional round. Uh, winners advance to the conference finals. Losers yep. go home. And yeah, I got uh, I got some stuff here. I, got, I just got one note from last week's game. Um, Marcellus Wiley, former NFL player, I listen to his uh, show, their podcast, and their TV show. Uh, Speak for yourself on Fox Sports One. Uh, very good show. I like listening to that. I'm just kind of recapping from the games last week. Talking about the hit that uh, Crowley had on Carson Wentz. Uh, if you recall, Carson was going for running with the ball. He dove first. He didn't slide, so he dove. So, we're fair game as a player. But if you recall, Mar- uh, Crowley kind of missile dived at him. You know, didn't go for the ribs right and kind of the hard hit in. Ended up hit Carson in the back of the head. He left with concussion protocol. Concussion never came back in. Hence, no. Could the Eagles have won the game? We will never know. But yes, Marcellus Wiley did stand that. He was a former defensive player, Marcellus Wiley. He goes, quote, you never dive full speed head first into the ground, torpedo tackle, as we say. Unless you want to do that, 
I just think he wanted to send a message. So I think he was going for a hard hit, like hoping to hit him in the ribs or the back, and he was off. But still, you're playing with fire doing that uh, a tackle like that into somebody on the ground, too. Correct. And the sad thing with Carson Wentz, he, that, that was his first career playoff game in the NFL. Yeah, because you know, the, the year the Eagles won it, he got him off to a great start, got hurt again in the season, on a quarterback sneak. And if you see the way Carson Wentz is built, that should never happen. It was kind of Patrick Mahomes on a quarterback sneak got hurt, you know. But so he missed the playoffs. There's been a lot of heat on him in Philadelphia. It's like, you've never let us to the playoffs. And Carson Wentz gets hurt. The backup goes in. Eagles win the Super Bowl. And in Philadelphia, they built the man a statue outside the stadium for it. So Carson's had to live in that shadow for the last two years. They win the last four games, make the playoffs. First quarter, he's out. So you, you feel bad for a play like that. Like, I'd love to see him get a chance to show what he can or can't do. True. And now we'll have to wait till next year. Yeah, that is that is correct. So this weekend's games, we've got the the three thirty Vikings San Fran game, and then all the other games on the road outside in the possible elements. We may have some weather to contend with. That the late game yeah. tonight is in Baltimore. Sunday's uh, afternoon game is in Kansas City. Sunday's late game is in Green Bay. So yep. Now I got. Well, we'll just go right down to order of the games. First game on Saturday uh, in the afternoon. San Francisco, Minnesota. San Francisco is a seven-point favorite. 45-and-a-half-point 40 spread. Uh, without using – or 45-and-a-half point, I'm sorry, over-under. Um, without using the point spread, I'm just going to – I think I'm going to take San Francisco straight up. But if I was taking the points, I'd take Minnesota and the points. That's how close a game I think it's going to be. I think it'll be uh, close as well. I've got the Vikings uh, winning 27-23. Yeah, you're kind of going back to, was it 1987? Oh, the Vikings beat the Saints, then they beat the 49ers. And that is, that is true. Um, we're going the same. Darren Nelson dropped the ball to the goal line, but we won't get into that. Yes, that um, was the same. It could be setting up here for the same sequence of events as the, uh, the yes. playoff run from 87. That's a good, this should be a good game. It's at Levi Stadium there, Santa Clara. Uh, great, great venue. It's hosted the Super Bowl um, and some good uh, college bowl games. So that should and be. And that a... game is on NBC. Okay. So. And then we move into well, the Chris Collinsworth's doing the announcing was Al oh. Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on that oh, game. Oh, lovely, lovely. Now the night game. It's a seven fifteen start. Tennis, Tennessee at Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Ravens are favored by nine and a half with a forty eight point over under. Uh, you got to go Baltimore. I'm sorry. I, but this is one of those games where I like Baltimore. Baltimore should win. If Tennessee wins, is it an upset the way they've been playing so well lately? I mean, you know, that's this is one of those games like, God, is that an upset? I don't know. But I think Baltimore should win. It's a nine-and-a-half point spread. I, I would take Baltimore minus the nine-and-a-half. Yeah, I, I think uh, Baltimore – yeah, Baltimore by ten. That's that should be that should be. I think pretty pretty obvious. I guess. Who knows? And I, I just want to backtrack on this little NFL note here. Uh, a lot of people are kind of ripping on the New York Giants for their head coaching hire. It's like the guy was a special teams coach. What is that? You know, you don't hire a special teams coach. You go offensive or defensive coordinator. Jim Harbaugh, or yeah, Jim Harbaugh, coach of the Ravens, used to be a special teams coordinator. Oh, yes. Okay. So just, just keep that in mind. 
special teams coordinator works with the whole team, you know, because everybody's on special teams, you know, like it or not, everybody has those meetings. So he is used to talking to the whole crowd. Here's an example. Not saying the Giants go to the Super Bowl anytime soon. No, but look more past that. It is a nice pickup for him. But back to the playoffs, yeah. Ravens covering the nine and a half, in my opinion. Now, Sunday, 2 o'clock start in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. We've got Houston Texans coming to town. What's your take on that ballgame? Uh, Kansas City favored by nine and a half, which is kind of big, I think. I, I mean, Texans did beat them earlier this year. Um, I think Kansas City is going to win. You know, they, saw, they did everything right last year in the playoffs. They just lost the last minute. I mean, Kansas City is a good team. I think they'll win, but I don't think they can cover the nine and a half. Uh, over-under is 49 on that game. Three o'clock on CBS. Uh, two two o'clock our time, right? Yep. Okay, uh, I thought you said three. So I've got uh, Kansas City there winning by six, twenty-six to ten. Okay. And then that night on Fox, Green Bay is favored by three and a half against Seattle. A uh, couple notes I got on that game: uh, Seattle has lost eight straight at Lambeau. They have not won at Green Bay since nineteen ninety-nine. And in the two in the seven times that it's been Russell Wilson against Aaron Rodgers, the home team has won all seven times. Interesting. And so this. So with that said. Yeah. With that said, what if three and a half, forty-seven point over under? I see. I've got. Uh, I'm going to go with my upset here. Seattle going to break the trend, beating Green Bay at Lambeau Field on that Sunday, uh, five forty kickoff time. I've got Seattle. Uh, Winning their twenty three seventeen over the pack. That's I a gut. That's Seattle a gut feel. Just a gut. Is closer now, I think Seattle will win, but they won't. Uh, Seattle's going to win. Yeah, it's be a close game. Twenty one twenty. Right down to the last second. Yeah, that should be. That'll be a bar burner. That that game should be very good. Anything else on on NFL football? Uh, no, just you know, just for the games the next week. Uh, if San Francisco wins, they'll be the home team. Uh, San Francisco both are the higher seeds, so that's probably where your home team is going to be in those games. Kansas City, Green Bay were the hop, higher seeds there. Um, it, if the Vikings win and Seattle wins, that game will be in Seattle. So that's for Viking fans who want to know where you go. Vikings win, they'll go to whoever wins the Green Bay-Seattle game. Okay. But that's what I got for there. Let's uh, should we cover some some buys on James Madison. Uh, we could, or I would like to jump into the XFL if this would be a good time. Ah, uh, yes, the XFL starting up. Vince McMahon is starting that up again. Yeah, they didn't have a success in their one season back in two thousand one, but now they're back. Uh, you know, nineteen twenty years later, here Vince McMahon again. The season kicks off in February, so we'll have a. Next week, I might do uh, a preview show um, next week on the eight teams. There's eight teams in the league. They start February. They play February, March, and April and wrap up. Fox picked up the TV deal for that, too. And they've got – Fox has much of the games, but there's also – there's ABC, Fox, FS1, and ESPN2 are going to be covering along with – I think that's it. Yeah. Yep. So it's every single game will be on national television. Nice. And what they're going to do, and I think this is a good, uh, a good uh, 
strategy. They only play Saturday, Sunday games. There's two yeah. games every Saturday. Uh, basically, it's they're doing one one and four o'clock, one o'clock p.m. and four o'clock p.m. and then Sunday, every Sunday, uh, two and five p.m. on various network stations. So you can pick them all up, watch all the games. Ten game schedule, like I said, five home, five away games. Playoffs. There's just four teams make the playoffs. The top team in the uh, in the East, the top two teams in the East play. Top two teams in the West play. The following week is the championship game that'll be slated for April 26th for those of you uh, fans for the fans out there now what I've got is some helpful hints if, if you're if you're borderline if you're going to be a fan or not of the XFL many people are not but there are some helpful hints here to keep in mind the you know who the commissioner is of the XFL is Oliver Luck and that is Andrew Luck's father. Uh, Andrew Luck's oh. father played for the Houston Oilers as a quarterback in the NFL in the 70s. And uh, so Andrew Luck just retired, um, had a child at home here with his wife, uh, former Colt, for many years. But it's father Oliver Luck is running the show here. And that's going to be very, very interesting. They've got some key players. The coach for the Seattle team is Jim Zorn, former Seahawks quarterback as well. So there's some connections oh, there. Well, that's right. He did spend some time here. Yep. And so uh, that, that will be interesting. We'll cover a little more of it uh, uh, next week. But there's, like I said, eight, eight teams. Um, one of those is the Dallas Renegades. Uh, Dallas has uh, their backup quarterback. It's Philip Nelson, the former Gopher, you know, former Rutgers okay. and former East Carolina. Okay, yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was a, a Mankato West grad. Uh, here in Minnesota, heavily recruited, went played for the Gophers, got into that altercation uh, at a Mankato bar, which uh, resulted in an assault charge, and never played a down for Rutgers. Rutgers dropped him after that altercation. Then he went on and played a, his senior year with East Carolina. The question, the questionable thing with Mr. Philip Nelson is he finished and then had a tryout with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the CFL, uh, trying to try out for that team in preseason for the fourth string quarterback position and was cut. So he couldn't, couldn't pick up there with, as a fourth string quarterback in the CFL at all. And then played this last year on a, a, another league that folded, I think out in San Diego, he, he played sparingly uh, there and that, that, that league also folded. So he got picked up here. He's going to play for Dallas as a backup. Um, that, that should be interesting to follow some of these local, local names. And remember with Philip Nelson, his dad, Pat, played for the Wisconsin Badgers in the 70s. That's right. And, and there were big, big, big Badger fans, and it was uh, very interesting that he uh, decided to play for the Golden Gophers and converted his parents over, and they were big Gopher fans after that. But he'll be someone to watch. There's some other players, a lot of ex-NFL players that couldn't either um, make it or, or a lot of these guys on the uh, either the practice squad or the training squad um, – or get cut in preseason are going to be jumping onto this league. And I think they only have a roster of 45 guys for each of the teams. And so we'll, we'll do a little more next week with that. But the, the last tidbit of information for Mr. Philip Nelson is playing for that Dallas Renegades team. That Dallas team is going to be playing at the old Texas ballpark in Arlington baseball field. Oh, okay. So I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the episode, uh, uh, Texas Rangers baseball is, is going to be going into a new new stadium 
across the street in 2020. The old baseball stadium is being retrofitted for football, and that will be the home of the Dallas Renegades. And so they're going to convert. I think they can fit 40,000, 50,000 people in that. But that's where Dallas will be playing. There's also teams in for the XFL. There's teams in Seattle, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, St. Louis, New York, Tampa Bay, and Houston. So I'll cover a little bit more of that next week um, as, as that uh, heats, heats up, if you will. <laughs> and, I, I remember with XFL the first time around, everybody kind of mocked it and made fun of it. But a lot of the different rule things or camera angles they use, the NFL did pick up and use those now. And yeah, they a did. Hanging camera above the stadium as a zip spy. That was an XFL thing. Uh, XFL actually had cameras on the field. That kind of was a little too dangerous, but. <laughs> Yeah, they, I went through some of the uh, notes uh, in the XFL. One of the rule changes in particular is that there's no kicking of extra points. Any any point after after any touchdown, the team will have an option to run one of three one of three plays for an extra point. One is a single point extra point conversion from the two yard line, or they can go for two from the five yard line, or the team can go for three points from the from the fifteen or Maybe the 10-yard line. You can go for a three-point play, yeah. making a touchdown a potential nine-point play. And so some of those, uh, they're kind of using some of those testing grounds for the NFL, I think, to see if some of these things um, work or not for, uh, for excitement. They also want to get the game's time length down to uh, from about three hours and 15 minutes in the NFL to the XFL. Their goal is to get them down to two hours and 45 minutes. Well, I know on that, that was the AAF, was that the Association of Football, they started the, had like eight games this year for it folded. They didn't do kickoffs. You just started the ball at the 20, I believe, wasn't it? Oh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. They were just trying to speed the game up. Um, it depends who you talk to. Was it to speed the game up or to save injuries? Depends who you talk to on that for no kickoffs, you know? Um, which I kind of like that. I kind of didn't. But I can see both ends. I could get used to it. Yeah. But I like that point about the extra points, how it's uh, different plays. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Also, halftime is only ten minutes long, so it's a quicker it's a quicker game. It's going to move along quicker and hopefully higher scoring and more action. No such thing, I don't think, as as fair catches and things like that or or, or touchbacks. Uh, it's going to really move things along. They're encouraging the kickers to kick it in the field of play. Uh, any kind of a touchback is going to be a uh, a negative uh, result from it. I think the other team gets a ball to thirty five or something to that effect. Also, they're they're eliminating the punting uh, corner coffin corner kicks for punting. There's going to be a heavy heavy penalty for kicking the ball uh, out of bounds on a punt. So they're going to put it in play. And remember, there's the touchback. Also, they get the ball to 35. So it's going to force the punchers to kick the ball down the middle and in the field of play, which is going to force the um, returns. So. A lot more action if you're a fan of that. Uh, I'm looking up this next week. I'm going to look up the options for fantasy football online as they're going to be offering that as well. And maybe for our listeners uh, here for the Sports and Songs podcast, uh, can get it in a league, uh, if you will. Uh, that's well, all I've got for extra. For Canadian football, uh, kickoff, if you do take a knee in the end zone, the kicking team does get a point for that. Okay. So that's kind of interesting there. But yeah, XFL, that sounds pretty exciting. I like that. I like the other football. The, you know, you want to have the USFL back in the day. I like that. NFL Europe, I always liked watching that because it was a step between college and pro. It was kind of like watching minor league football, if you will. And think of it that way. You don't think of it as some Vince McMahon promotional 
laughing league. No, it's minor league football, and if you like football, you should enjoy it. Yeah, and it's and the timing of this, like I said, it's it's February, March, and April. It's during those down times of the NFL, and for those football fans, uh, get a chance to watch some games over the weekends on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, rolling right into the the NFL draft, which is always at the end of April, it's going to tie in tie in good to to, uh, to hold these uh, the football fans over almost you know twelve months out of the year now. Yep, yep, that's great. You know, the, the, how many of those guys might be named in the draft if they have a good XFL season? You could be a seventh round pick, you know, or something. Correct. Well, I think that's good. Let's well, we can roll into high school sports here uh, next. All right. All right, Andy. Let's get into some high school prep sports here in the state of Minnesota. What have you got for us today? I, I just got some of the rankings for the sports here. Uh, not really a lot, lot of major news. Um, uh, high school sports, this time we're really heating up. So the teams, a lot of the seedings aren't, or I'm sorry, rankings aren't changing too much. Not a lot of things. Uh, boys basketball, 4A, still at Eden Prairie, number one. Uh, 3A is still Minnehaha Academy. They moved, they're still number one. Uh, Mankato East to drop the jump to number two from three, and D. LaSalle dropped to number three from two and three A. Two A boys basketball is a little jumbling in there. Caledonia moved up to two to number one, and Wasika dropped to number one. One uh, A still bold at number one. Uh, girls basketball, Hopkins are just a machine. Holy cow! I can't wait to see them in the playoffs. They're very exciting team to watch. We get a chance to go see a high school game. Go see the high school Hopkins girls basketball team, the Lady Royals. They're incredible. Um, uh, 3A for, for girls basketball stays the same with DLSL, number one. Uh, 2A, Sox Center still number one, but Fergus Falls moves to number two from three. And Minnehaha Academy moves up to number three from four. 1A, Minneota stays in at number one. They were just plugging along to their really good team to watch. So basketball, a lot of teams pairing up pretty good. Like I said, uh, boys basketball in Prairie, number one in 4A. Kind of seem to be holding their own pretty good. And the girls basketball, Hopkins, they're the full 4A number one team. They're fun to watch. Uh, for hockey, high school hockey, had some changes in the, in the standings here. 2A, Rosebot moves from number four to number one. In Prairie stays number two and Andover number three. Boys hockey, again, is one of those where they're always jumping places all the time. It's kind of College basketball, always bumping her off. It's always fun to watch that. And in 1A, Warroad moves to number one from two. Hermantown drops to number two. And St. Cloud Cathedral moves up to number three from number six. So they had a nice jump. Uh, girls hockey, Edina moves up to number one from two. Andover drops to number two, and Taka stays strong at three. And in 1A, there's no change with Breck still at number one there. So as we get ready here, about a month away, we'll probably start hitting them a lot more with games and results and players to watch for in the tournaments as they start. But that is what I got for high school sports. Well, I've got the uh, high school wrestling class 3A top 10 rankings I'm going to go through uh, today right. for high school wrestling. This is the big schools now. This is the, the top 10 for wrestling. Minnesota always a powerhouse in wrestling nationwide. We've got Shakopee Sabres, number one, uh, number two, Stillwater. Number three, St. Michael Albertville. Number four, New Prague. Number five, Northfield. Number six, Forest Lake. Number seven is Owatonna. Number eight, Farmington. Number nine, Wyzetta. And rounding out the top ten, Coon Rapids. Now, the interesting thing with this list is you see New Prague in there at number four, uh, jumping up to the big schools for the first time this year. They're actually ranked number 
four. They've got a bunch of wrestlers of the 14 on the roster uh, ranked in the state and even nationally. Now, uh, as listeners may or may not know, I, I do play a, a senior men's baseball league. And one of my teammates, Jimmy Biskins, from out in that area, his son is a ninth grader from New Prague, currently ranked in the top five in the state, currently ranked 15th in the nation. This is Coy Biskins, a wrestler to watch, keep an eye on, because he's only a ninth grader, ranked 15th in the nation at 106 in the small weights. Uh, uh, so a shout-out to him. He'll be fun to, to watch uh, coming on these next few years here as uh, very good. Now, you may think that a ninth grader ranked that high. He's currently ranked, it looks like, number three in the state at that weight as a youngster. But how does this, how do you like this? The number two ranked gentleman is a seventh grader for St. Michael Albertville. Landon Rubido is a seventh grade student ranked second in the state at 106 in the entire state at class 3A for the big schools. So these young kids are always good at these younger, at these lighter weights. And once again, when they're taking classes in club and they're uh, practicing 12 months out of the year for this, um, they get to be very good very fast. So it'd be fun to watch some of these youngsters. Uh, yeah, you know, the here's the West Metro. Here's St. Michael Overville and uh, New Prague a lot for wrestling. Uh, wrestling out here in the West Metro. I've heard the school names. I don't have the individual names, but I know New Prague moved up this year class. Always fun to, to watch the high school wrestling. You'll catch those too. They're exciting. So that's all I've got for uh, high school sports. All right. Well, let's, championship game today, my man. Let's move into the FCS football. Um, title game is today, 11 a.m. Central Time, kickoff in Frisco, Texas. Uh, give us a little overview, Andy. Well, here we go. Bison will go for another championship this year. Um, they're actually, the Bison are a one-point favorite. What more can you offer a championship game? Well, if one the one against this, in Frisco, Texas, it's a true one versus two, correct? Yes. And... There's a couple different rankings. Um, one, the Saragon rankings, where they combine FBS and FCS, Division One and Division Two. That's old school people call it <laughs> for college football. If they were to combine all the schools, they'd have the Bison at number 36 and uh, James Madison at number 50. And the next closest FCS team would be Weber State or Weber State at number 91. So oh. these two schools, James Madison and NDSU, hold their own. They each play up. Division one school in a preseason game. The Bison have beat Kansas State. They beat Iowa State. They've played the bigger schools and won in the past on the road. The big schools don't go up to the Fargo Dome. These little schools have to go down there. I say little schools. NDSU build a bigger stadium. They'd be in the Big Ten and they'd hold their own. But the SCS schools go down and they beat the Division one schools a lot of times. If not, they're very close games. Those those preseason games you see, it's like oh Michigan beat, you know, Manhattan State. Every now and then, Manhattan State wins that game. So these are very good teams. Um, a lot of these players, the Bison, their last three quarterbacks, Brock Jensen got an invite to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he never did playing games with the Dolphins. He was on a practice squad for a while. He did go to Ottawa for the Blue Bombers, had, four, had a, a game there filled in, got a great cup championship ring there for Brock Jensen. Of course, it's the quarterback after him, Carson Wentz. We've all heard the stories of him. Quarterback after him, Easton Stick, who's a third stringer in, in uh, the Los Angeles Chargers right now. The kid the guys have got now, Trey, he's filling in these shoes just wonderfully. So here's four straight quarterbacks. If this, 
you can you know, Sam can make snap. They could be NFL quarterbacks out of a Division two school. Yes. What, what Division one school, other than the Miami Hurricanes back when they were quarterback, you had four straight quarterbacks go NFL. So they're pumping up players. If you watch uh, even these playoff games today, the linemen, offensive line and defensive line, you'll see a kid from South Dakota State, North Dakota State, uh, Wyoming, or not Wyoming, but um, Montana. You see the smaller school kids, they're all making an alignment. So they're not joke players. Like everyone says, oh, that's Division Two. that's the – no. You want to see kids who are playing for fun of the game, but not playing to be at Sports Center's highlight that night. They're playing to win for their school. That's what's fun to watch. It is. It'll be a good game. I'd like to give a, a, a shout-out and good luck to a backup linebacker named Mitchell Cardis for NDSU Bison. Um, I, I know his, his, his father. And okay. um, this will be good. He's a redshirt red uh, freshman. And it's fun uh, when you've got connections here to watch guys like this uh, uh, make it. Uh, these are some high-level recruits. And, uh, for instance, himself uh, was recruited by many Division One outright schools but opted for NDSU because of their program. So this will be a fun chance for, uh, for, the, for the players. Uh, today's game, 11 o'clock, will be fun to, fun to watch. And, and if you follow, if you, if you look up stats, all these guys from Division II schools like this, I thought I'd say Division II, FCS. A lot of them go to Canadian football to play, too, because a lot of the smaller schools like North Dakota and North Dakota State, they're right there by Canada. These guys are seeing them, so they go there. The XFL, you might see a lot of these names there. But, you know, like you said, the connection – I'll say this, I know one of the players for the Bison, Jack Darnell. Uh, family member, cousin's son. Uh, he's played there for five years now. I've known Jack since birth, obviously. Followed his career he's going through, and just the bit we're going to play next is a thing he had uh, through the NCAA. It was on Twitter, so this wasn't like a personal phone call to me. It was, it's online. You can find it online, too, and we'll play a clip from that. Just... And I think what Jack said in this just kind of summarizes what the college athlete is. So we'll play that next. Dear football, it would be hard for me to put into words everything you have done for me and what you mean to me. You have taken me places I would have never imagined and have given me lifelong memories and friendships that I will cherish forever. It has been a long ride from when I was first introduced to the game. Even though I was just a six-year-old little ball of energy, who was just starting to play flag football, I knew this was going to be my thing. From that point on, you were always there for me. My friend, if I was lonely, my break from reality, if I was having a tough day, and so much more that can't even properly be expressed. It was around my freshman year of high school when you became an obsession when I realized the opportunities you could present me with. You gave me the opportunity to play the game I love at the Division One level. You gave me the opportunity to be a part of a family. You gave me the opportunity to meet my brothers that I will have by my side for as long as I live. Give me the opportunity to serve others in the community, get an education, and most importantly, give me the opportunity to be a good man and a good human being. You taught me discipline, work ethic, commitment. While those are all important parts of the game that will take you far on the field, I understand that they will take you even farther off the field. I wouldn't take back a second of my five-year college career, and although it is coming to an end, the biggest stage is waiting for us at the finish line. I will forever be in debt for everything you have done for me, and I hope one day I can do the same for someone else. Well, let's move into the music segment. What have we got for us today, Andy, in rock and roll? Uh, I got just one concert coming up, uh, April 24th. Not real soon, but you know, April 24th. Yeah, I get these concerts out there ahead of time. They have to put money, clear the date. 
Uh, April 24th, 8 p.m. at Medina, an ACDC cover band called Thunderstruck. I've, uh, I've not seen them personally. I've heard good things about them. So if you're an ACDC fan, there's a cover band called Thunderstruck. You'll see at Medina, April 24th, at 8 p.m. I didn't have any uh, real uh, birthdays this week. Of course, Elvis's birthday was this week. Then you can't talk anymore after that. I just left it at Elvis. That's, there's no more. How about this day? How about this day in history? Any any uh, breaking news here? Well, going a little different this week. I try to throw this curveball out every now and then. So this week in music history, it's this week in history. Ah. On the band Kiss. For this week in their history, and just a couple notes here. One I thought was very interesting. It was January 1973. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, and Peter Chris auditioned a lead guitarist named Ace Fraley. Later that same month, uh, they were in a band called Wicked Lester, and they dropped that name. In fact, the name Wicked Lester, J.J. Uh, Finch, guitarist for Twisted Sister, was in that band Wicked Lester. So, uh, but he was sent off. Ace Fraley replaced him. They dropped the name Wicked Lester and came up with the name Kiss. Uh, Paul Stanley is credited with coming up with the name. And Ace Fraley is the one who designed the original version of their logo. Word uh, has it. Paul Stanley kind of tweaked it a couple years later, but that's what I came up with that. January 1973. Then in January 1976, or I'm sorry, 1996, um, it isn't airing MTV at the show called Unplugged. It had bands come on, you do your whole set acoustic, which was really neat. But they kissed on one time. They did an acoustic one, and for a couple of songs, they brought out, brought out Peter, Chris, and Ace Fraley. That reunion went so well and was so popular, that's when the original four got back together because of that. It was an unplugged episode of MTV. Fans loved it. They did it. I got the album. Sorry, I say album. CD of the Kiss Unplugged episode was very, very good. Uh, they never did tour acoustically. They just got together acoustically. They got the band back together then. A couple months later, they did it, announced a tour. That's when they went back to the makeup and everything else with the original four. Obviously, that didn't last very long. lasted a year or two, and they realized why they couldn't stand each other. Uh, Paul and Gene decided to keep the makeup on, replace the other two again, and hence that's why their makeup is on, and they're on their three-year farewell tour again right now. So that is This Week in History. Oh, interesting. Always good to know the, uh, the KISS history is just so much of it, because they go back for how many decades? Yeah. I mean, they don't teach us stuff in schools anymore, and they should. Exactly. But, exactly. But what have you been listening to this week, sir? On your on your headphones? Well, this on this on uh, my San Sanyo Walkman was yes the 1982 Van Halen Diver Down album. Nice. Diver Down uh, featured uh, Michael Anthony on bass, David Lee Roth, of course, on lead vocals, Alex Van Halen on drums, and Eddie Van Halen on electric guitar. This album. I didn't I didn't select it or pick it because I liked it or it was a favorite of mine. It just has many good notes that relate to it. This is that album where they had five of the twelve songs were covers of other other songs. And so so this album had uh, Where Have All the Good Times Gone, Hang 'em High, uh, Pretty Woman, the old Roy Orbison song that really um launched this band into the uh platinum level. This this album went four times platinum. Side two, they had Dancing in the Street, the other, the Marvin Gaye uh, cover song. 
Little Guitars, Big Bad Bill, uh, Sweet William Now, and the Happy Trails ending. So this, this album did draw a lot of criticism. It's only 31 minutes long. It's got some instrumentals. It's got some covers. It's not a lot of, you know, uh, original work, which Eddie Van Halen was uh, always looking for original work and coming up with music and artistic from a composition composing uh, background. So this was his least favorite album as they threw it together pretty quick. They were going to take a break and come up with a brand new album, but the producer said, let's get something out there quick, even if it means spending just 12 days in the studio to get something out there fast. So they did it more to make money and to get an album out there um, and to get more mainstream. And certainly this, this certainly worked, but uh, a lot of true Van Halen fans aren't a big uh, fan of this particular record, but their tour was, now we also get the, the diver down the, the cover, the cover art and the image used. We get back into the, uh, Van Halen's always known for their sexual innuendos. This album is called Diver Down. David Lee Roth says that it relates to the scuba um, location of uh, the flag that you put up when a diver goes underneath the water. He explained it as you never really get a glimpse of what the band is doing below the surface. But uh, uh, we, we all, I think, know exactly what that title could actually really mean. Then they go on tour and they name the tour. The Hide Your Sheep Tour. Ah. Hide Your Sheep was the name of the actual tour. And they, they toured in, the, in North America and South America, and it really went over big. And um, these guys, uh, uh, this really put them into the platinum status, uh, into the atmosphere. Their previous album was Fair Warning, but uh, this was the, this was, this really went big. And this was in the early 80s when rock music was really, really taking off the the notes that i've got for this this song i think you'll get a kick out of andy the back yeah. album the back of the album shows a concert outdoor rock concert scene that was taken in 1981 at the florida tangerine bowl in orlando the, the florida tangerine bowl the tangerine bowl so that that iconic photo was taken october 24th with a sold out stadium they were opening that year for rolling stones the year before. And for those younger listeners that aren't familiar with the Tangerine Bowl, uh, that stadium was renamed in 1983, the Florida, the Citrus Bowl. And now I think it's yes. called Camping World Stadium. Yep. But the Tangerine Bowl was one of the big, big football bowl games that we just uh, finished uh, off the circuit here this last month with all the bowl games. Tangerine Bowl was big. Like I said, it's been renamed the Citrus Bowl, but that's where that image was taken from. Also, the 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 song Cathedral, that instrumental by Eddie Van Halen, was actually uh, something that he'd been playing in concerts two to three years prior as an instrumental at live concerts. Now they just threw that in on this album. Um, and then the time filler too, because it's said that two the album together. Yeah, they they did that in this. Uh, you know, it's it's a the cathedrals a minute 23 they've got another instrumental for little guitars that's just the intro that's 42 seconds long they end the album with happy trails that's a minute three happy trails was done as a joke in 1977 they recorded that as a demo in 1977 happy trails to you that's now the common song that they play at the concert as the concert ends as the closing when they hit the the, the, the lights the lights go on and everyone leaves they'll play that uh, all the time 
Happy Trails. And that was done as a joke in 1977. They threw that on there. Also, the song Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now includes the work of the Van Halen brothers. Father, Jan Van Halen, plays clarinet on that uh, kind of a jazzy song. It's the father gets credit there with the clarinet. Now the oh, song, yeah. now the song. Well, the colors on that one too. They said Pretty Woman was on there. Uh, Dancing in the Streets was on there. So a lot of co- a lot of cover songs on that one. Yeah, and, and Pretty Woman was done. That's the Roy Orbison one. But they actually put yep. together a pretty uh, a pretty risque music video. It was one of the very first uh, MTV videos to get banned. Was that Pretty Woman video by Van Halen? And so that was banned. And so that made some notes as well. The song Secrets, the song Secrets is the nucleus of the lyrics. David Lee Roth came after he went to a store in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and bought a bunch of greeting cards. Uh, he, he went and bought a bunch of greeting cards and get well cards and put them together, some of the lyrics from inside of the notes of these cards to make a song. <laughs> so that's all good old David Lee Roth for you coming up with Inspiration. Ingenuity. Now, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen played a the solo that in the song Secrets, the Eddie Van Halen solo, solo that was on that album was recorded in a single take. Okay. In fact, he used a Jimmy Page 12-string guitar on that song. Now, if I recall, both Eddie and Alex were both self-taught, weren't they? Yes, and, and Eddie Van Halen actually was trained as a classic uh, pianist, uh, a classically trained piano uh, background is what Eddie came back back from, originated from. But yes, yeah, self-taught on the guitar, and then Alex, uh, uh, same thing there on the drums. Now, if you look at Diver Down, for those of you who are wondering, I said that, that video was banned. The next album and video after that was 1984. Yes. And look what that video did for MTV and how that did it. So, you go know, from a band video to probably one of the more popular videos of the 80s, early 80s, for Van Halen, so. Yeah, so it's just, it, they, they really went huge at that point um, when all the other, those bands were kicking off. Um, the early 80s was huge in L.A. And these guys recorded once again. This was at Sunset Strip in Hollywood. They recorded at the, uh, I think it's a Warner Brothers uh, yep. recording studio, which is now, I believe it's Universal Studios in Hollywood is what that is yep. now. But that's where they recorded this um, this, album. this album. So that's what I've got for music this week. Wonderful. We'll have a Super Bowl preview next week. So that should be a kind of exciting show. We'll focus on that. We'll have some more XFL news. So we'll have our football fix. Uh, have some more baseball stuff. We've like spring training coming up. Pitchers and catchers reporting soon. We'll have some more updates on that. Any other teasers for next week, sir? No other. No other teasers. Uh, the that uh, AFC NFC Championship game previews will be very good, and those games are both on Sunday the following uh, week. Yeah, I don't know the order. Which one's first, AFC or NFC? I'm not sure. I think they kind of decide on location based on that. So you said if. If the Vikings and Seattle win, you got a West Coast game. they got to figure all that in. So we don't know who's playing when yet. We just know it's going to be next week. All right. And once again, for the listeners out there, please leave your comments below. Feel free to share. Come up with ideas uh, and suggestions for future shows. And when you find us on your favorite podcast format, 
subscribe and you'll be notified immediately when a new episode comes up. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell people you don't like, we don't care. Pass the word around. We appreciate your support. Awesome. All right. See you next week.